G'day, how's it going? What do you know? Striker Light Clayton here. I'm finally back on the airwaves. What's happening? I'm here with Jason Andreessen and of course Danny Vizza. Mate, how was the presentation? How did it go? Talk to us. Um, what were the what were kind of what was the key messages that you were looking to get over? So it was a peer-to-peer session. Um, practice management around profitability of clients, how to make every client profitable. And we were targeting as much wisdom coming from the floor as, as much wisdom was coming from the, um, the stage. And I think we achieved that. It was a really good discussion. When, when you come up with the concept of making every client profitable, how much do you lean on your financial planning chops compared to your research chops? Probably both equally. Um, the, the research chops um, help with measuring it and um, mm. keeping it objective, but uh, the technical advice elements are, um, are essential as well. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And Jason, for those playing at home and listening in, uh, can you give us a little as to why you've got these different elements to, to your experience? Can you give us a little bit of a quick highlight reel of your background and, yeah. and why the FPA have actually asked you to do a session which is really valuable to if every advisor could make sure they're dealing with highly profitable yeah. clients, that yeah. would be a great outcome. What, what's led you here? So I am a proud CFP professional and uh, have been for 22 years, um, non-practicing at the moment, may practice in the future. I spent six years practicing as a financial planner. I've worked in, I won't bore you, but I've worked in boutiques, a bank and an industry super fund. So I've really all, all, um, all facets of the industry and um, spent 10 years in executive management of a large licensee and then got out and uh, I've been a researcher now for five years and the research is the best move I've ever made. Never before had I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed work I, but it was mostly about um, the achievement and working with people, but with research, I actually enjoy the work, and that and that's because of the, the nature of the discovery. You're yeah. you're you're, you're um, casting a net and you're creating new intelligence. That that that's what appeals to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, curious to to learn, frankly, and um, to have a mechanism to have the resources to find out what you're curious about is. It's yeah. amazing. It's an amazing opportunity, right? Um, yeah, and we can do it quickly. Please. Yeah. Well, an example is um, when the levy um, proposals came out around the the um, furor around the two tier um, advisors. Mm-hmm. We went to um, four hundred consumers and asked them um, whether super advice is all they need, and their confidence as to whether they are in the right super fund. What was the answer? 67%, two-thirds of general population, over 45s, said that they um, would, would just take um, superannuation advice. So, so simple scout advice? It wasn't framed like that. It was framed as free advice in relation sure. to my superannuation. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and, and, and I guess this is probably where your research leads to. 
who needs advice and who can pay for advice and, and the types of clients that advisors have been looking after for a long time, they're not going anywhere. I, I, I honestly believe that um, scout advice is simply filling a hole for people who do not yet have access to solutions. I don't see it as a threat to uh, the existing financial planning business model in, in the slightest. I, I think they're two completely separate um, separate services and it goes to this two-tier, if that's the best way to think of it, types of advice. Yeah, I agree with you, Clayton. Um, to, to a nuance, I think the I think of the market, the, the, the client bases, the consumers, as being in three cohorts. Okay. Um, the, the wealthy, currently advised people with complexity, they're going to be um, served more efficiently. Fantastic. There's this cohort in middle Australia that our research shows they actually benefit the most, and I'll come back to that. Interesting. And they have been orphaned by the institutions leaving. Yes. Um, and they still want advice, and um, they want active relationships, and uh, and they're having trouble finding that... that um, the financial planner to help them. The um, the super funds are absolutely going to help the lower tier. That's not necessarily middle Australia. Certainly, uh, I think. And all power to them. Oh my God! Absolutely, yeah. How, in, in no way is that seen as a horrible thing. I think, or, or, although that, yeah, okay. The financial planners, there's no revenue for us to make in that in that space. But goodness, it should definitely exist for uh, that segment of society. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the benefits to them will be extraordinary. Agreed. Come, I come back to the middle Australia argument. Um, our research, my Maven's research, shows that 45-year-olds plus, um, middle Australia, benefit most from the financial aspects of financial advice and the non-financial aspects. So they benefit from paying less tax, um, saving more, allocating their money better in the long run, right? They get wealthier. They're able to do more, achieve more in their lives. They're the financial aspects. The non-financial aspects are they are they're able to envisage, advised middle Australians are able to envisage a positive future. When you can envisage a positive future, you can, uh, it improves your emotional experience today. So they're happier. What price do you put on that? They also have a sense of control, which is important. They're more resilient when things go wrong. They've got more confidence in their ability. They've got more capability. They've got a better understanding of their values and they're living in accordance with them. All good things. All good things. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I think that is the opportunity for financial planners to... um, to reach out to to middle Australia with a more affordable platform. So how do you see that working kind of tangibly? Like what's, you know, to ensure all clients are profitable, what are the suggestions you kind of make that planners approach that with and put a price on it? Because a lot of the questions we get in XY is around what should my pricing structure be? Like that's one of the most popular conversations in XY. Like how do I go about increasing freeze? How do I actually price my advice? Do you have any take-home tips around that, Jason? George Akerlof, 
um, is a Nobel, Nobel Prize winning um, economist. And he wrote a paper on the market for lemons. Have you heard of that? No. Fascinated though. Market, market for lemons was um, market for, for lemon cars. Cars, like bomb, bomb cars. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. And it was all about information asymmetry. So the, the idea is I've got a car I want to sell. I think it's a great car. I know it's a great car. It's been running for 10 years. I'm taking it to the market. But the market doesn't know it's a great car. So the market prices it like it would a lemon. So I've got two choices. I, I sell it or I take it away. That's, that's when it becomes a market for lemons. There's a, there's a third way. There's a third way you um, address the information asymmetry by bringing its client value proposition to life. We've done lots of research and it came up today in our session. What are clients willing to pay for advice? Yeah. And inevitably, there's a proportion that are willing to pay a maximum of nil. Uh, naturally. Yeah. Um, the average is generally three to 500 bucks. But it's an unfair question because they don't, they don't know what's involved and they don't know the utility of it. They don't know the benefits of it. So what... What the culmination of that is, is, um, is that um, we need to bring our value proposition and our service offers to life and um, be generous up front to show how we can solve the client's, the client's problem. Actually, you raise a really interesting point here. With the question, uh, how much are you willing to pay for advice? Be- and, and going along with that theme that you were just speaking about, Unless the question is even asked with the illustration of what the outcomes and the value and all of the benefits of advice are explained to the person who is being asked the question, yeah. then they're naturally going to not attribute much value to it. So, it's, it's, I understand what you're talking about here. It's almost like the original research question whoever conducted this, you know, maximum that people are willing to pay for advice, $500 story that got out there mm. I think what you're saying is the issue here is a part of the question is the question was a it wasn't a great question it wasn't a great question that's a really good point I hadn't thought of that before yeah something that I really loved in what you said there you to address it you have to be like say someone does have you know has to understand the value of, of advice and that often evolves over many years got to be generous up front was two words you said you know to overcome that say that pricing barrier or concern be generous up front and that was such a lovely way of sort of putting what the I guess the challenge that every advisor has in a client interaction particularly with a new client Mm. what does generous look like generous looks like at the 80% 80% level, not, not, not getting into the weeds. Clients come to you with a job to be done in their minds. Something has got them out of bed and, and um, motivated them to make an appointment. Answering that job to be done to the 80% level is, is really where I would start. It's a fantastic insight. Yeah. Um, don't tell them how to do it. Just show them that it can be done. That makes sense. And then so to, I guess, give us a summary on the, the topic that was just being discussed, which is how do you make all clients profitable? What, 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 is, what, what is your sort of take out from that? It needs to lead with the clients. So um, 
client segmentation uh, and um, working from there. So there are many ways to segment a client. Let's, let's choose a common way, um, wealth and complexity. Let's just stick with that. Matching the value proposition, the service offer to the client need in that segment is, is, is really what it's about. Now, at the moment, that's much easier to make profitable when you're dealing with people with three million bucks. You can charge them $10,000 a year. Yeah. And, um, and make a healthy profit margin. And with the advice gap, that's possible these days, right? Um, be selective of which clients you deal with. Yes. The opportunity down the track is to, um, is to have a different proposition where we don't need to produce an SOA, um, can be more strategic, um, more goals-based, and um, could be delivered much more cheaply than the um, 17 or 18 hours that, that advisors take at the moment to deliver advice. That, that all swings on being able to um, deliver, the, deliver on the cost, cost to serve reductions. As a, as a result of the, the review that's going on at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Makes sense. Jason, it's been so lovely to have this discussion. There's been so many um, tangible takeouts that I'm sure oh, a lot good. of, uh, I know our, our X1 network will find really useful and also the people who didn't happen to make it to the FPA Congress. So thank you so much. Good luck with the two parts of, of this big discussion and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much. 